Let's go to the Lord in prayer together, and then we'll jump in here to our passage for today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your grace in our lives. Lord, as I woke up this morning and saw the sun rise over the horizon, heard the birds chirping in the air, Lord, I was reminded once again, Jesus is risen. Lord, we know that everything in our faith hinges on this one simple reality that the tomb is empty, that Jesus is alive, and you make every difference in our lives. And so, Lord, I pray this Easter especially, help us to reorient our lives, our thoughts, help us to reorient our hopes and our joys and our longings and our conversations and and our loves. Lord, I pray that you would help us to reorient everything around this reality, this joyful truth that Christ is alive and that you're coming again and you save and you offer salvation full and free to all who would come to you by faith. And so, Lord, we thank you for faith. Lord, we thank you for the truth of the gospel. We thank you for new life. Lord, I pray that Today you would speak to us from your word, convict us and convince us more and more. I pray for those who in this room or online that don't yet know you as Savior and Lord, that today would be the day of salvation. Lord, for those of us who are already saved, Lord, I pray that you would increase our joy in Jesus. Lord, we worship you, we praise you. Speak to us from your word in Jesus' name, amen. Matthew chapter 28, Matthew 28. Beginning in verse 1, I invite you to turn there or scroll there or however you turn on your Bible to get over there. Matthew chapter 28, beginning in verse 1, and we'll read through verse 15. Matthew 28, verses 1 through 15. Matthew writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit these words. After the Sabbath... As the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to view the tomb. There was a violent earthquake because an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and approached the tomb. He rolled back the stone and was sitting on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards were so shaken by fear of him that they became like dead men. The angel told the women, Don't be afraid, because I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead, and indeed he is going ahead of you into Galilee, and you will see him there. Listen, I have told you. So, departing quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. They ran to tell his disciples the news. Just then, Jesus met them and said, Greetings! They came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus told them, Don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. As they were on their way, 
Some of the guards came into the city and reported to the chief priest everything that had happened. After the priest had assembled with the elders and agreed on a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money and told them, Say this. His disciples came during the night and stole him while we were sleeping. If this reaches the governor's ears, we will deal with him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been spread among the Jewish people to this day. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is truth and your word is life. And Lord, I pray as we think about these truths and we think about the good news of the gospel, we'd be encouraged and challenged and shaped and formed. And Lord, I pray also for those who are not yet believers. I pray that through the sharing of the word, through the preaching of the word today, that today would be the day by your spirit you'd open up their blind eyes so they'd see that this isn't just some religion or this isn't just some nice story, but this is the very truth, life-saving truth of God. So Lord, work in our hearts today. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This Easter, as we come together, we, with believers from all over the world, all over the planet, come together to celebrate this central reality of our faith. So central is the resurrection of Jesus Christ that if you were to take it away from Christianity, if you could have all of Christianity, all of the Bible, everything that we believe, but take away the resurrection, then none of it makes sense. The whole system, the whole belief, the whole everything, everything hinges upon this one reality, this one fact that Jesus rose again from the grave. If Jesus is still dead, if Jesus is still in the grave, let's all go home, let's sell the building, let's turn all of this into housing, and let's just go skiing or fishing or whatever, (laughs) because it doesn't matter. But, on the other hand, if Jesus rose again from the grave, then it changes everything. It changes everything about our past. It changes everything about our present. It changes everything about the future. It changes everything that we should love, everything that we should think, everything how we should relate to each other. It changes eternity. It changes everything about the entire universe on that moment when that angel stood on that stone and rolled it away. The earth shook, but more than that shook, past, present, future, everything, time, eternity, your life, your family, Everything quaked with newness of life on that particular day. There is a newness, a reality, a freshness, a a gospel that comes because indeed Jesus has risen again from the grave. He is alive. What I want to encourage you with today is that your faith is not a blind faith. Your faith is in the resurrected Savior is based and grounded in credible evidence. In evidence that we see here in this very passage in Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 15, and even beyond from there. This, this morning, I am talking to two groups of people. One group of people are Christians. You are people who have already trusted in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. You're already believers and you're here today encouraged in the gospel, encouraged in truth. And my challenge for you today and my hope for you today is that you would grow deeper in the Lord, deeper in the gospel, deeper in love with Jesus, deeper joy in Christ. 
And then there are some of you who have never trusted in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And my prayer for you, I've been praying for you all week, my prayer for you, my challenge for you, my hope for you is that today would be the day that you would trust in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. So what I want to do today is I want to put on our detective hats. I want us to put on our detective hats, and I want us to consider the evidence of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, how many of you are into detective television shows? Anybody into that kind of thing? Oh, yeah, a lot of you are, yeah. Some of you are into that. Some of you are like, yeah, I like Dragnet. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is cool. <laughs> and others are, you know, no, it's more like CSI, that kind of thing. What is your favorite, uh, what is your favorite detective show? Tell me. I like those too, right? <laughs> Like 24 was one of my favorite. I like that show, and, you know, that's kind of older now. But, you know, there's others that, are, that were really good, too, over the years. I just, I just like that kind of genre where you, where you look at the evidence and you try to figure out, where is this leading us? And that's what we're doing here today. I want us to look at the evidence, four lines of evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Four lines of evidence that show us that, indeed, our faith is solid. And my encouragement for you is to consider the evidence and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. First line of evidence is this. Number one, Jesus endured fatal torment on that cross. Jesus endured fatal torment on the cross. In other words, Jesus actually died. Matthew 27, the chapter right before the one that we the one that we read, that is the whole point of that chapter. The whole chapter is about this one central fact. Jesus died on the cross for your sins. Now, there's some who believe that Jesus didn't actually die on the cross, that Jesus hung on the cross for three hours on that Friday. He was nailed there. He was taken down in an unconscious state, either from the blood loss or from some kind of drug concoction that they'd given him, some kind of drug-induced coma that they had given him the, the, the medicines there on the cross and the wine that he, he was offered there on the cross, that they put him into the tomb. And because of the chill of the tomb, because of the dampness, humidity of the tomb, that that awakened Jesus. And somehow Jesus managed to get up, go to the door, roll away the stone, walk out of the tomb, appear to his disciples in a weakened state, and then waltz out into the desert and die. And that is their story. It's called the swoon theory. Now, this theory that you might see on Discovery Channel or perhaps on the internet or perhaps on some YouTube site is actually ridiculous if you understand the history of Roman crucifixion. If you understand that the Romans are expert executioners, you didn't walk when you got off of the cross. When the Romans put you on a cross, you were a dead man. And we know that's true of Jesus. Jesus clearly died. And no one in Scripture and no one in history of that time period ever questions that historical fact, that reality. Historians of the time who were not Christian, who were Jewish, they say Jesus died. Christians say Jesus died. His friends say he died. His enemies say he died. Everybody agrees Jesus died on that cross. Think about it. Jesus endured an all-night trial. 
In fact, six different part trial, three in front of the Romans, three in front of the Jews, six different trials on the night that he was betrayed. He was mocked. Jesus was beaten. His beard was plucked out of his face. He was convicted by Pilate, scourged by the Romans, and his beating was so severe that many didn't even survive. Many didn't even survive the Roman scourging, the severe beating that they would have beaten Jesus with after the scourging. Once again, Jesus was mocked. He was beaten. He was spit on. They put a crown of thorns on his face, digging those thorns into his skull. And at this point, he was so weakened from all of the torment, all of the torture, that they forced him to carry his own cross up to Golgotha, up to Calvary. And he was so weakened that he buckled under the weight of his own cross. Someone else had to come and pick up the cross for him. And when they got to Calvary, when they arrived at Golgotha, they nailed his wrists and his feet into that rough, splintery wood. And for six hours on that day, he was crucified up and down the cross. He would lift himself up, scraping his bloodied back on that cross, splinters digging into his flesh, gasping for breath, down again, up and down until he died of asphyxiation and then the Roman soldiers put a spear through his side to make sure he was truly dead. Jesus didn't swoon and then get revived by the dampness of the tomb. Jesus actually died. He died a horrific death. It's so horrific actually that we even get our word excruciation which comes from the word out of the cross, from the cross. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. But not only did Jesus suffer tremendous physical pain, physical torture, but as Jesus was hanging on the cross, the scripture tells us that he endured emotional and spiritual pain as Jesus bore the sins of the whole world. As Jesus bore our sins iniquities. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 53 verse 5, it says he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace and with his wounds we are healed. Jesus endured the physical pain of the cross. Jesus endured the wrath of God against our sin. Evidence number one, Jesus actually died on the cross. His friends say he died. The Jews say he died. The Romans say he died. That is important because without a death, there cannot be a resurrection. Evidence number one, Jesus actually died on the cross. Evidence number two, the garden tomb was completely empty. The garden tomb was completely empty. We see that here in, in our passage that the women are going to the tomb on the first day of the week at dawn. And then there was an angel that was sitting on the tomb after an earthquake, rolling away the tomb, and Jesus is gone. The tomb is empty. After Jesus died, he was taken down from the cross and he was buried in Joseph of Arimathea's brand new tomb. His New hewn family tomb, private tomb. Joseph wrapped his body in a shroud. They placed his body in the tomb. And then they rolled a large stone in front of the entrance. 
And then not only that, just to make sure that Jesus stayed in there, the Romans decided, let's go ahead and let's put a, along with the Jews, put a garrison of soldiers, a group of soldiers, at least a dozen soldiers, if not more, soldiers in front of the tomb to guard it, putting a Roman seal on, on, the, tomb, on the tomb, on the door. To break the seal was to go against Roman authority. No one would dare do that unless they came with a higher authority. And so there they are, expert guards guarding a tomb where Jesus' body had been laid. And then on that Sunday, Sunday morning, when the women arrived at the tomb in order to anoint Christ's body with burial spices, they found that the stone had been rolled away. They walked into the tomb. They found that his body had gone. His body was missing. And they heard the voice of the angel. They saw the angel. And listen to what the angel said there in verse 5. He says, Do not be afraid because I know you are looking for Christ who is crucified. He is not here. He is risen. Those three words, he is risen, are the three most important words that have ever been uttered in the human language. Christ is risen. It changed everything on that day. Jesus got up out of the grave. Jesus is risen again from the grave. They ran back to town and they told his disciples this amazing news. Christ is risen. The tomb is empty. But it wasn't just his friends and his disciples that said that the tomb was empty. Who else in our passage also says and agrees, indeed, the tomb was empty? Not only his friends, but also his enemies. Remember those Roman soldiers that as soon as the angel came down from heaven with lightning and an earthquake, rolled away the stone, what happened to them? All of them at the sight of an angel, it wasn't a precious moment for them, at the sight of an angel, boom, they were all waylaid there at the tomb. <laughs> Boom, on the ground. They wake up, they see Jesus' body is gone. They go and they report what they have seen to the chief priests and the elders. And they say, we got to come up with this story. And they came up with this idea that, that y'all were asleep and they came and stole his body at night. But here's the fact that they agree on. Jesus died. Second piece of evidence, the tomb was empty. Now, there's more, a more convincing way that they could have said, that they could have shown that indeed Jesus didn't rise from the dead. How could the Jewish authorities and the Romans have contradicted this story that Jesus rose from the dead? What did they need in order to contradict that? They needed to produce what? A body. What is the one thing they could not do? They couldn't produce one. Why were they not able to produce one? The reason why they could not produce one is because there wasn't one to produce. Jesus was not dead. He was not in the grave. He was risen again from the grave. Had they produced a body, the Jesus movement would have ended right there. But the reason they couldn't get one is because there was not one to produce. Indeed, Jesus is risen from the dead. Line of evidence number one. Jesus died on the cross. Line of evidence number two, the garden tomb is completely empty. That's not enough. 
We need more evidence. And thankfully, this passage gives us more. Line of evidence number three, Jesus appeared to many eyewitnesses. Jesus appeared to many eyewitnesses. The historical evidence produces, uh, supports two facts. Jesus died on the cross. Second, the tomb was empty. Now, we have Jesus appearing to many people on Easter alone. Think about this. The day began with Jesus appearing to Mary Magdalene. He appears to the other Mary. He appears to Salome. He appears to Joanna. Later on that day, there are two disciples, one disciple is according to the Gospel of Luke. One of them is named Clopas. You can go in, in that day you could have gone to talk up to him. He is mentioned in the he is mentioned in the epistles. He's mentioned in the writings of Paul. And so there are these two disciples that are walking along the road. Somebody comes alongside them and just starts to walk along the road with them. The day of Easter, the day Jesus rose again from the grave, they're walking along the road. And they're like, hey, what's going on? Can you believe what all happened in, in Jerusalem today? I'm like, or this weekend? Like, oh, yeah, I can't believe what's going on there. This dude that's walking with them. And they don't know who it is. And they're walking along the road, and they're just having this talk, and the guy just starts, just starts talking, and he starts with the Old Testament, and he starts to unpack everything about the life of Jesus, showing them from the Old Testament that it was necessary for Jesus to die on the cross and rise again from the grave. And they say it was like our souls were burning within us when we talked to this guy. And as they walk along the road, eventually they sit down to rest. They take out a meal. And as, they, as he breaks the bread, their eyes are open. They see, this is Jesus with us the whole time they saw the resurrected christ others his disciples say that they have seen his hands and his feet they've even touched the wounds in his wrist they touched the wounds in his feet they put their finger in his side they sat down with jesus and ate a meal of fish with jesus on the seashore ghosts don't eat fish <laughs> jesus is alive he appeared to many other witnesses as well. Acts chapter 1 verse 3 says it like this. To them he presented himself alive after his suffering with many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking to them about the kingdom of God. He appears to many. Jesus died on the cross. His tomb is empty. Not enough yet. Now you have the resurrected Christ appearing to many people. How many people did he appear to? 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 6 says he appeared to over 500 witnesses. Paul in that verse says many of them are still alive. What is Paul insinuating by that? When he says he, he, he appeared to 500 people, a lot of them are still alive. What is Paul saying to the Corinthians? Go talk to them. Go ask them to see if this thing is true. Now let's think about this. If we were to have a court case right now, I was to present line of evidence one, line of evidence two, and now I know you all are hungry for ham. And we're going to have pineapple later. Oh, man. <laughs> but I got 500 witnesses. <laughs> and all of them need to give up and testify. <laughs> Number one, do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth shall help you, God? Yes, I do. So tell us your story. I've seen the resurrected Jesus. I touched him. 
he touched me. I felt the nails and the nail prints in his hands. I felt the nail prints in his feet. I have seen him. Okay, thank you. And witness number two comes up, raises his right hand. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? Yes, I do, I swear. And so then witness two comes up, and yes, I have seen him. I ate a meal with him. Peter gets up. I swear to tell the truth. Yes, I do. I was on the seashore, and I, went, I, jumped in the, I jumped in the ocean and went swimming to him. And when I got to the shore, he had a fire, and he cooked me some fish, and I talked to him. I've seen the resurrected Savior, one after another. Cleopas gets up. His friend gets up. Disciples all get up. The women get up. They all get up. You'd think we would get the point at 488. <laughs> 488 witnesses all corroborating the same central public reality. Jesus is not dead. He has risen again from the grave, and I've seen him. I've touched him. I've listened to his voice. It is him. It was unmistakable. That, my friends, is some of the greatest evidence that there is of the resurrection of Christ. That's the amazing thing about Christianity compared to other religions. When you compare Christianity to other religions, Christianity is a publicly verifiable faith. Many of the other faiths and many of the other religions start off with something like this, whether it be Islam or Buddhism or Hinduism or some of the cults. They start off with an individual having a private dream, a private vision. They write something about what they saw privately, and they take it out public and say, you just have to take my word for it. But no, Christianity is about a Christ, a Savior who had a public ministry who died publicly, who appeared publicly to hundreds of witnesses. It is a public religion. It is a verifiable faith. It is not a private idea about God, but it is a very public salvation where God has intervened in the history of humanity in such a way where God became man, lived an absolutely perfect life, died on the cross for your sins in your place, rose again from the grave and offered salvation full and free to all who would see the evidence and by faith know this is the very truth of God and not the invention of any man. That is the good news of the gospel. It is rock solid. Will you trust him? Will you believe? Will you receive the good news? And will you find even greater joy this Easter in Jesus? Finally, number four, first line of evidence is Jesus died. Second line of evidence, the tomb is empty. Third line of evidence, a lot of people witnessed to him. 500 people saw him. Line of evidence number four is this. Their encounter with the risen Christ transformed the lives of the disciples. It transformed their lives. Totally changed them. Think about this. Before they had countered the risen Christ. What, they were, what were they doing? They were all going back to their jobs. They were going back to fishing. They were going back to maybe tax collecting. They weren't hiding in fear. They were huddled out in this little room. I hope nobody comes in the door. <laughs> and then Jesus appears to them. And what do they do? Look at Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20. He says, Jesus tells them, tells them Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, 
I am with you always to the end of the age. And the lives of these simple, uneducated fishermen and tax collectors and normal folk were utterly revolutionized because of their encounter with the resurrected Christ. So much so that most of these men, most of these guys that were there that day, gave their lives as martyrs for the gospel. Even more than that, they told somebody else, who told somebody else, who told somebody else, who told somebody else. And then that message of the risen Christ and transformed lives not only changed and completely revolutionized the lives of the the disciples and the women who were there at the tomb and others who were come to believe through their message, but it went around the world so far that it is now right here, 2,000 and and plus years later, here in in the deserts of eastern Washington where there are people sitting right here in this room who could raise their hand and say, this resurrected Christ has changed my life. He has totally and radically changed everything about me. You asked me how I know He lives. He lives within my heart. He's changed my life. And this is the one who died on the cross. He rose again from the grave. There's a lot of witnesses that corroborate the evidence. And he has totally transformed everything about me. That is the good news of the gospel. My question for you today is, do you trust him? Do you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? For those of you who are not yet Christians, my encouragement for you today is that you would consider this evidence. You would consider the truth that I have shared with you today. And you would know that it is not the invention of a church. It's not the invention of humanity. It's not just some good idea I had this week. Oh no. This is the very good news that saves my soul. Maybe you came in the door and you're like, I'm not quite so sure. Maybe I came with a family member. Maybe I came with a friend. Came with a friend. Maybe I'm just kind of checking spirituality out. And you came in the door, you didn't believe, and then all of a sudden you're like, this is real. This is truth. This is good news. This is the gospel. Do you know what's happened to you just now? The Bible says that that wasn't something you ate for breakfast. That was the Holy Spirit of God awakening your soul giving you new life in Christ, opening your eyes to this reality, that is the evidence that you are born again. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you are saved. Trust in Him today. Don't leave this room. In fact, don't even wait till the image. Believe in Him now. Trust in Him now. Turn away from yourself and say, I'm a cosmic insurrectionist and I've done my own way. I've been doing my own thing and I made a mess of it. I need to go Jesus' way now and I'm going to go Christ's way. I'm going to trust in Him as my treasure, my Savior, and my Lord because all this is real. All this is true. All this is right. All this is really good. Trust in Him as Savior and Lord. For those of you who are already believers, Maybe this is your 15th Easter. Maybe this is your 80th Easter. My encouragement for you is know the joy of believing in the gospel and know the joy of living for the resurrected Jesus. The reality of it is, is the last two years have been really tough, haven't they? They've been tough because of the pandemic. They've been tough because of politics. They've been tough because of divisions. They've been tough because of a lot of things. 
And one of the things that I am so encouraged about this Easter more than others is as I have considered the resurrection story, the resurrection truth, the resurrection history of Jesus Christ, I've come to a fresh, renewed appreciation and delight and joy that this story is the one that makes sense of all the other stories. That this truth and this reality, this gospel, this empty tomb, the reality that Jesus is alive puts everything else in its place. And I realize that no matter what we may go through, no matter what the rest of this year holds, no matter if the prognosticators are true or which prognosticators are true, doesn't matter. Because Jesus is rose again from the grave. And that changes everything. And that gives you joy and new life and new purpose and drive. And you realize we live for that great central reality. Jesus is alive. And my encouragement for you this Easter is to find joy in the resurrected Christ, in the rock-solid knowledge that this is truth, that it is the truth of the ever-living God. So what is your decision? This is evidence, evidence that demands a decision, evidence that demands a response. What will be your response today? Will you trust in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord? Will you become a Christian? Will you turn away from your sin and place your faith and trust in Christ? Will you know the joy that is trusting in Jesus? And believer, will you finally let all of the things of this world grow dim in the light of his resurrection power and grace? How is it that you need to respond today? We come to a time of response in our service where we're going to have a moment of silence. We're going to give you a time to do business with God. And you meditate, you think about these things. Like, God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to respond? And then we're going to pray. We're going to stand here in a moment. If you trust, trusted in Christ as Savior and Lord, if you need help and what all that means, why don't you come? I'm going to be waiting right here. You come. I would love to pray with you and help you to know Jesus and help you to walk with Jesus and talk to Jesus today. He is risen. He will hear your prayer. He'll forgive you of your sins if you call on him by faith. I would love to help you do that. Trust in the Lord Jesus. If you need prayer, if you might walk the last couple of years, my goodness, I'm just beat up. I, don't, I just need help. I need, I need resurrection power. Why don't you come? And I'd love to pray for you today. I'd love to pray with you today. Why don't you come and get prayer? Maybe even after the service, you'd like to talk. We'll be here. I'd love to minister you and talk with you. But you do business with God. Don't let this moment go away. Do business with the resurrected Savior. Receive whatever gift, whatever blessing He wants to give you today. Let's spend a moment of silence and we'll pray. And then we'll stand and we'll respond as we sing. Lord, we thank you for your goodness and your grace in our lives. Lord, we thank you that we serve the Savior who indeed was crucified, died, buried, rose again, 
appeared to many witnesses, ascended into heaven, transforming lives, and is coming again. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to see life in light of this great reality, that Christ is risen and is coming again. And so, Lord, I pray for those who don't yet know you as Savior. And Lord, Lord, I pray that today you would awaken faith in their hearts. And Lord, that they would trust in you as Savior. Today would be the day of salvation. Lord, I pray for those who already know you. Lord, strengthen our faith. Strengthen our joy. Strengthen our resolve to live for Jesus in these days. Lord, we give you this time of response. Help us to all respond in worship and praise of your great name. We praise you in Jesus' name.